0: Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. Sunday morning, the Lord has given us Amen. To be able to share. And we just greet all the visitors that are here this morning. What an honor to have you here with us this morning and thankful for all those that got baptized this morning. Is that awesome? The Lord is doing something so beautiful in our church family. And in the afternoon service, we have another group of people who are being baptized. So 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 thankful for what God is doing uh, in, in our church family and grateful. To the Lord, grateful to the Lord. So I'd like to enter to the teaching for uh, this morning. And uh, last week we started uh, lessons from the life of Joseph, and uh, we have a three-part teaching here with regard to lessons of the life, the life of Joseph. Last week was uh, the um, the inevitable pit, the inevitable pit, and we talked about how Joseph started off and he was sold by his brothers, and he uh, ended up in a cistern in a pit. Um, and we talked about what that pit symbolized for him and what it could symbolize for us. For him, it symbolized a, uh, a place of, of, of change, a place of transition, and a place of preparation. Sometimes things come to us in life, and they're inevitable. We just don't, did not expect them, but they're here. And our, how we manage pit circumstances in our life means everything. So uh, we learned that in pits, we transition, we change. And we're also prepared for the next thing that God has for us. Today, I'd like to speak on the theme, the inevitable journey. The inevitable journey. Looking at the life of Joseph, we can see that he had a, a, a life that was, he journeyed. And, um, and we all are journeying through this life. And what can we learn from the life of Joseph? What can we learn? Would you open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39? You may stay seated. Genesis chapter 39. And I encouraged you uh, last week to read from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 15. Uh, there is 13 chapters, 12 of them are dedicated to Joseph, Jacob, the brothers of Joseph, the sons of Jacob. And, uh, and it just kind of helped lead you through the sermon series and the teaching that we have for us this morning. And these next, uh, last week and, and next week as well, as well, if the Lord would permit. Genesis chapter 39, I'd like to read the whole chapter, 22 verses. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, so this is right after the cistern, this is right after the cistern, he is, uh, he is purchased by merchants, and here is where he is. So now Joseph has been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of this Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help. He left the cloak beside me and ran out the house. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. Then she told him the story The Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all uh, those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And the church says, Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that our Sunday would change our Monday. I pray that your word would land in our hearts, Lord, that it would be an applicable word, a word that we can learn from, Lord, a word that we can wake up tomorrow morning and in our time of prayer, in our time of meditation, we can say, Lord, help me to apply your word, that it would, Lord God, uh, spark something within us, Lord, to lead us closer to what you have for our lives and our families. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today our story, our sermon, the inevitable journey. We're we're taking it out of chapter 39, these verses that I have read. But just in case there's somebody here who doesn't know the whole story of Joseph, I shared last week that Joseph was sold by his brothers, and these merchants bought him. Um, And after they bought him, he was bought by Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guards for Pharaoh of Egypt. So he had a high position in Egypt, and now he purchased Joseph as a slave. Um, and as we have read there, um, as we have read there, after, uh, after some time there, uh, Potiphar found favor with Joseph, and Joseph began to lead in Potiphar's house. But the Bible says that, that Joseph was handsome, and Potiphar's wife took interest in him. Joseph did all the right things. He ran from her, he tried to avoid her, but she set him up, she lied. Joseph finishes in prison. He's in prison for years. And, um, and while he's there, and, and that's our story for today, for, for today. He, he, he finishes in prison, and, and that's our story. But for somebody who don't know the whole story, what happens after that is he's there for years, but the Pharaoh sends two of his workers to prison as well. Joseph um, is put, under, uh, put to lead these two um, uh, workers of Pharaoh, and they have dreams. And Joseph reveals their dreams to them, And both those dreams come true. One is killed and one is returned to Pharaoh's house. Now, some years later, Pharaoh has a dream and no one can interpret it for him. And that worker that was in the prison tells Pharaoh, when I was in prison, there was a man who interpreted my dreams. He's a Hebrew man. So Pharaoh says, bring me that Hebrew man. That Hebrew man is Joseph. Um, Pharaoh tells him the dream and Joseph says, uh, Joseph interprets the dream and tells him, There will be seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. But he says the seven years of prosperity will be great, but the seven years of famine will be so bad that they will consume the seven years of prosperity. And after two years of famine, Egypt and all the land is in such uh, famine that... um, that uh, um, Joseph, let me go back, I'm sorry, so after the interpretation was uh, revealed, Pharaoh says, I'm going to put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Only Pharaoh was above Joseph, so he's uh, the administrator, and he leads Egypt during this famine time, and after two years of famine, things get so bad that Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers, come to Egypt looking for grain And there is a reconciliation there between Joseph and his brothers. And I want to encourage you to read the story because it's a beautiful story. And next week we'll talk a little bit about that. But today we're talking about from Joseph's point that he was sold from the cistern till he ends up in jail. And we're calling it the inevitable journey. And the church says, Amen. Amen. So I want to share with you three things with regard to the inevitable journey. Three things that we can learn with regard to the life of Joseph and chapter 39 of Genesis. The first thing that we can learn is, in this journey, we will experience temptation. In this journey, we will experience temptation. As we read the story, we read Genesis chapter 39. We see here that Joseph was being tempted by Potiphar's wife every single day. Could you imagine that battle? Every day going to work. Every day having to run. Every day having to hide. Every day afraid. Every day dealing with some type of persecution from Potiphar's wife. He is only trying to do the right thing. He's only trying to protect Potiphar, protect the house, and protect himself. He even says, you know, how can I sin against God this way? Can you imagine the anxiety that Joseph had to deal with every single day? the stress that he had to deal with, not wanting to fail God, not wanting to fail Potiphar, not wanting to uh, bring shame to the household, dealing with temptation every day. Not only that, he was a young man, and he probably had his own desires, and he's battling these things. How many know that in the journey of life, each and every one of us will have to deal with temptation? Temptation is not something foreign to the Christian No, we have to deal with temptation every single day. It's inevitable. It's part of the journey of the Christian. Temptation is part of our Christian life. It is part of our experience. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, watch in Matthew chapter 26. He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus tells them, hey, watch and pray. Why? Because each and every one of us will have to deal with temptation. Jesus tells this to to Peter, to Simon, says uh, in Luke chapter 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. In other words, he's letting him know, you're going to go through temptations. You're going to go through hardships. Uh, This is part of the journey of life. In fact, even Jesus fasting for 40 days. He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. But we know that though he was tempted, he did not sin. Even Jesus was tempted. In the inevitable journey of life that you and I have to live, we have to deal with temptation and we have to deal with it every single day. We're tempted with our eyes. We're tempted with what we say. We're tempted with how we react. To circumstances, we're we're tempted by our own pride, our own egos, our own desires, our longing for success. At times will take us to a place of temptation. Uh, How we respond to circumstances, at times we deal with temptation every single day. And the church says. Once the believer, though, falls into temptation, that's when it becomes sin and separates us from God. Temptation is the battleground in which we stand. It's the battleground in which we have to just battle every single day. But we understand with Christ, we have victory. James reminds us this about temptation. James chapter 1, he says, when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires is dragged away and enticed. He's saying, there's something within us that takes us to a place, our sinful nature, that what, that brings us to this battleground called temptation, But, he says, then after the desire has conceived, in other words, after we have fallen into temptation, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's letting us know that, look, temptation is part of our lives, but after we give ourselves to it, in other words, we surrender to it, that's when it becomes a problem and leads us to a place of spiritual death when we give in to it. But isn't it wonderful to know that we have victory in Jesus? Though we have an enemy that has come against the church, the Bible reminds us that there is no no weapon forged against us that will prosper. The Bible reminds us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, that you and I, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. And although we we have to deal with temptation in this journey of life, there is a guaranteed victory for us. But we do have an enemy. We do have an enemy that would love to see our families destroyed, our marriages destroyed, our church divided, relationships destroyed, people hurt, people making bad decisions. We we have an enemy. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 says, uh, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which, when you can, uh, which with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, letting us know that because of our faith in Christ, though we have an enemy, in our faith we can what discern, and we can extinguish all the arrows of the evil one. In other words, man, no matter what attack comes against you, your family, uh, even when we're battling in our sinful natures, our faith with Jesus always gives us the victory. But it's important to know that we have an adversary. We have an enemy that wants to destroy everything that God has promised us. And we need to be aware, the Bible says, Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He is the divider, the thief. He says uh, that our enemy has come to what, kill? steal, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life and life in abundance. It's our promise in him. He is the divider. He is the the destroyer. But we have victory in Christ. So maybe you're battling something and you feel like, man, why why am I dealing with so many temptations? Well, you have an enemy that wants to destroy everything that God has promised you. And in this journey of life, we have to deal with temptations because it's the place that takes us to uh, God's blessing when we, are, when, we, when we overcome, or if we're not careful, can take us to a place of separation from God and all that God has for us. We're reminded, sin is serious. And the church says, sin is serious. We must guard ourselves from sin. We must guard ourselves from, from bad decisions. Why? Because sin is serious. There's no small sin or no big sin. Sin, his sin, it it all separates us from God, and it separates us from God's will. It separates us from what God wants to do in our lives. It separates us from resembling who he is in our home and in our family. So we need to be careful because Jesus is our master, and the enemy, he wants to destroy our relationship with him. So we we all got to deal with temptation. I got to deal with it. Pastor Becky got to deal with it. And you got to deal with it. But how we manage, how we respond makes the difference. Um, Look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than to lose the whole body to be thrown into hell. I mean, that sounds severe, right? Now, I don't think it was meant to be literal. Okay? We don't want any radicals. I don't think it was meant to be literal, but it is teaching us the drastic measure that needs to be taken when we find ourselves under temptation. It's telling us, hey, we need to separate from this. We need to be aware. We need to know that um, that this is a battleground. So I want to encourage you. In this journey of life that we're in, take notice. Take notice of what's around you. Be careful. Look at the Bible says, do not be fooled by Satan for you're aware of his devices, his schemes. Take notice to your own weaknesses and and your own vulnerability. Don't position yourself in a place where you think that you might fail and don't think that you're strong enough to overcome things that you were not able to overcome in the past. Be prudent with your life. Be prudent. If somebody's giving you too much attention that you know that they shouldn't be prudent. Don't feel don't don't feed your ego. You're not that strong. You haven't prayed that much. You haven't fasted that much. No 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 that that the Lord has called us for wisdom. In fact, the Bible tells us to flee from the enemy. Temptation is a part of life. Everyone goes through it. And everyone has to battle through. It is the battleground uh, of the Christian. But it is not the place of devastation. It could be the place of victory for us. It could be the place of victory for us. (laughs) The Bible tells us that God is faithful. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. So there's a promise for us there to always overcome. We've been empowered for victory. And we could remember that God has done a good work in us, and we have an enemy, but he is defeated. But he tries, he tries to take us down a road that brings a separation from God's blessings and God's promises for our life. So in this inevitable journey of life that we have to live, we know that temptation exists. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Come on, and give no opportunity to the devil to recognize, wait, a minute, there, there's activity here that, that should not be happening in my life. Give no opportunity to the devil. Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. He says, avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your way. Isn't that great advice for us? So, in this inevitable journey, we will have to deal with temptation. But we're reminded that we have the victory. And the church says, amen. Amen. Number two, in, in this inevitable journey, in this journey, you will experience God's provision. You will experience God's provision. When Joseph was in the pit, uh, the merchants came, brought him, and sold him to Potiphar. At that moment, this may have seemed like a hopeless moment for Joseph, but it was the way that God was providing for him. In the pit, it may have seemed hopeless, but here God allows merchants from Egypt to come, and it was God's provision for him to save him. Because of Joseph's limited vision, it was hard for him to see what God was doing in his current life and in the circumstances. He couldn't see it all, but God was saving his life. God was transitioning his life. God was bringing change uh, to him. God was preparing him for something. That was God's provision. He sent the merchants to buy him as a slave and put him in Potiphar's house. And God's provision kept him at that hour. I want to let you know in this journey of life, pits will come, but God's provision is always there for us. God's provision, we see it in the Bible. Do you remember the story of Jonah? He had to be thrown from the ship into the sea, and God provides a what? A big fish. And that fish is what? God's provision to keep his life well And transition him to Babylonia, where there he will, what? Be the messenger of God. Provision. The Israelites in the desert, they had no food. They were in the desert, no way to plant. But God provides manna every morning for them. It's a beautiful story. God provides manna every morning. They wake up and there's manna on the ground. And before the sun uh, rises... They collect their manna for the day, and every day except the Sabbath, there was fresh manna on the ground, God's provision for his people. God, in this journey of life, I want to remind you that God will always provide for us. Look at what Jesus said. Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable Than day. Matthew 6. He provides. I want to let you know that in this journey of life, God is providing for you. He's providing for you. And the church says, it's inevitable in this journey that we will deal with God's provision. He doesn't forsake his people, but he sees their needs and he provides for them. God has provided for you a number of different things, but one of the things that God has provided for you is People. You are in the family that you're supposed to be right here today. You are in the job that you're supposed to be right here today. You have the neighbors that you're supposed to have today. God has provided people for you in your life, and maybe those, are, those people are instruments that God is using to sharpen some things in our lives. Maybe they're reason why we get to be a blessing to somebody. We don't know, but we know this, that God in his sovereignty... He has placed the right people in our lives. So instead of looking around, complaining about the people that may be around us, our heart should be, Lord, thank you for where you have placed me because I recognize God without you, I don't know where I would be. And what may not seem right to us, what may not seem right to us may be God's sovereign way of of providing for us and placing us in the next thing that he wants to do in our lives. God's sovereignty puts the right people in our lives. God's sovereignty, right? God provides for us and he's provided a church for you. Uh, You're here, God's provided a church for you. If you're visiting us and you're part of another church, God has provided that church for you. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that God in his sovereignty He knows exactly what we need and the church we need. And he places us in a place where we can grow, where we can learn, where we can serve, where we can be faithful, where we can receive what he has for us. He's provided a church for us. That's God's provision. And the church says, so we encourage you to embrace it. Embrace what God has put in your life. Embrace the thing that God is doing. Embrace what he has, where he has located you. Embrace it because he wants to do something great with you right there in your church, in the place of worship that he has placed you. I love and We could put a huge list of things that God has provided, but God has provided his Holy Spirit for us. It's his greatest provision for us. His Holy Spirit leads us, it convicts us, it empowers us. I love that 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Isn't it wonderful to know that He doesn't save us and just let us go? But the Bible says that He seals us with His Spirit. The Bible says that he fills us with his spirit. The Bible says that he baptizes us with his spirit, right? That we know that we are not just uh, walking in our flesh, no, but the spirit of God, uh, the triune God, dwells within us to lead us and help us in everything that we need in life. It's God's provision for us. That's why the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind right? In other words, fear is part of our nature. We'll have to deal with it at at certain times in our life, but we don't function in that fear because he's provided for us his spirit that comes with power, love, and a sound mind. Helps us to do what we cannot do. Helps us to reason everything with a good motive and understanding and wisdom to make good decisions. In Christ, We are more than conquerors. We've been set up to win, empowered to win. Why? Because his spirit dwells within us. It's his provision. And it's inevitable for the Christian. It's not something that comes maybe. It's not a perhaps. It's not if. No, when you give your life to Jesus... He seals you and empowers you with his spirit to set you up that you can have success in Christ Jesus. Uh, I want to encourage you here today in this inevitable journey, you will always experience God's provision and it's going to give you exactly what you need for the circumstance at hand. And the church says, so, we're talking about the inevitable journey. What can we learn from the uh, life of Joseph in chapter 39? We have learned that in this inevitable journey, we will have to deal with temptation. We will experience God's provision. And number three, in this journey, we will experience highs and lows. Highs and lows. So, look at the story of Joseph. You want to talk about highs and lows? Lived with his father, that's a high. Conflict with his brothers, that's a low. A gift from his father, high, ends up in the pit, that's a low. Sold to merchants, that's a low. Sold to Potiphar, that's a high, though it may have seen a low for him. Then he's placed in position of leadership, experiences high times. And I imagine if we could talk to the Joseph in Potiphar's house, he must have thought that he was at the pinnacle moment of his life. He goes, you know what? All things work for good, he must have thought. I'm here. I'm the second in command of, of Potiphar's house. I, I got all that I need. I'm eating probably better than my brothers and my father. I, I have all that I want. I, I don't have to do the work. I can delegate the work. He, was, he probably thought that it was the end, but God had another low for him, and he ends up in jail. And the Bible says that he's in jail for years but I love that he continued faithful and there God was with him and then he has another high and he ends up in Egypt and if you read the story of Joseph highs and lows did not finish there they continued with him it's inevitable you and I we also will have highs and lows in this journey and the church says life will bring us highs and lows there are times when everything is going well and then all of a sudden, we go to the doctor's office and we get bad news and it's a low. Or things are going well, go to work and we get a pink slip and now we're, we're, we're at a low. Or things are going well and notice something, we don't have enough money and now it's a, it's a low. Or we have plenty of friends, everything is going well. And one bad conversation and we find ourselves isolated by ourselves in conflict and it brings us to a place of of a low. Maybe in ministry, you're having success, things are going well, you're doing good, and now you don't get elected to a position and you feel like I'm at a low. Right? Different things. Life will bring us to highs. Even in marriages, we have highs and lows. And we manage them to cultivate it, to have more highs than lows. But in this journey of life, we have highs and lows. Some observations with regard to Joseph's life. Some observations. One thing is regarding the highs or lows, Joseph didn't change. He was the same faithful worker when he was in Potiphar's house. He was the same faithful worker when he was in the jail. He was the same faithful worker when he was in Egypt. He did not change because of his highs or lows. He stood steadfast in who he was. Don't let the lows change who we are. If you're generous in the highs, then be generous in the lows. If you're faithful in the high, be faithful in the low. If you're engaged in ministry in high times, continue engaged in the low. If you're kind in the highs, be kind in the low. Our circumstances of life should not change who we are. Should not change who we are. We're not circumstantial. We don't submit to the circumstance. But who we are is steadfast in every season. We all know people, when things are doing good, oh my God, they're the greatest people to have around you. And then when things are not doing so good, we can't even find them anywhere. Let us not be like that. Let us be consistent regardless of our seasons. And the church says, what can we learn about Joseph? Uh, In his highs and lows, Joseph didn't change. Number two, uh, God was with Joseph. I love that the Bible says in in verse chapter 2 and in verse chapter 20, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Verse 20, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. God is with us in every season of life, in our highs and in our lows. God is steadfast. He's omnipresent. Omnipresent means that he's in every place, but it also means that he's in every circumstance, and it also means that he's in every emotion. God is there, and I want to let you know, in your highs, God is there, and even in your lows, God doesn't forsake anyone. The Bible says that he doesn't sleep or slumber, that he's attentive to our prayers, that he hears the cries of his people, and I want to let you know that God is faithful. God is there. In this inevitable journey, we will have highs and lows, and God does not forsake us. Don't equate success with God's blessing. Sometimes people see success and say, Oh my god, this is it. God is blessing me. God, if you equate success with God's blessing, when you're not doing well, you'll see it as God's condemnation or God's curse or God's rejection. Because you equate blessings with God's blessing. In this life that we live as Christians, our job is faithfulness and to know that God is blessing us in all circumstances. Even when he withholds something from us that we think we should have because we cannot see what he sees, that is God blessing us. So if we equate God's blessings with our successful times, when we're not doing so well, We'll think that God is not around and God is not blessing us. It doesn't work that way. We're just instruments in his hands. And he's positioning us in different times and in different seasons of life. And in this journey, his will will take us to high places. And his will will take us to low places as well. And our job is to be steadfast in every season because he is there. He's there. And the church says... In this journey of highs and lows, we're reminded that this is not our last stop. Like I said, I could imagine Joseph thinking, Potiphar's house, this is it. I'll just do this for the rest of my life. I'm a slave. I'm owned by Potiphar. This is it. It wasn't his last stop. Then he went to jail, and he probably thinks, this must be it for me, my last stop. And that wasn't it. God takes him to Egypt. I want to let you know that regardless of where you are, God wants to do something new in your life. There, there's a next. There's a next. Maybe you have dealt with some hardships in your life. Maybe you're at a low. I want to tell you there's a next. Maybe you're dealing with some things. Maybe you've dealt with some betrayal, some hurt, some low time, some sickness, some, some famine in your, in your life. I, I want to let you know that this is not the last stop. What we can learn from Joseph is that God always has a next. And our faith is that our life is in his hands. And the church says, amen. "Amen." If you receive the teaching, can you give the Lord a hand clap today? As I conclude, the inevitable journey, in this inevitable journey, we will deal with temptations. But temptation is only a place that we're reminded that God has given us enough to overcome and to see his will and be glorified. We don't have to surrender to temptation. We don't have to fall. No, we we can live this successful life in Christ and see him glorify himself in us. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. In this inevitable journey, we're going to experience God's provision. God's going to give us exactly what we need. He, He did it in the scriptures. He'll do it for us. Whatever it is that you need, trust the Lord. He will always give you manna every morning in your time of need. He'll always supply for you. He sees your need. He sees what you're going through. When when we need a word from the Lord, I'll give you a word. When you need a financial blessing, trust the Lord for it. When you need direction in your life, trust the Lord for that provision. When you need the Lord to do something, trust him to do it. He is faithful and just. He sees our need, and in this journey, God's provision is for His people. In this journey, we're gonna experience highs and lows. It's part of life. Be steadfast, don't change, persevere. It's the biblical language. Fight the good fight of the faith. To remember that that God is with you. Highs and lows don't change. God will see you through it. It's not your last stop. There's something else that God wants to do. You stay faithful. Stay faithful. And you will see God's faithfulness. It's the inevitable journey for every believer. And the church says, amen and invite you to stand. Perhaps you're here today and in this journey of life you've been doing it all alone. You've been handling it your way and you feel like, man, I'm far from God and I don't want to journey this life without God. I feel far from God. I feel like I need to reconcile to the Lord, or I need to accept Christ as my personal Savior. I need to draw near to Him because I feel far from God. Temptation is for all people. God's provision is for those that belong to Him. Highs and lows will come to all of us. But to know that God is with us, leading us, and helping us each day, brings a peace and a joy that the world doesn't understand because the world hasn't given it to us. Maybe you're here today and you feel like I'm tired of journeying without God. Today I want to reconcile myself to the Lord. I want to make a new covenant with God. As we sing this song, the altar is open. Would you be so brave and join us here at the altar a prayer of reconciliation, a prayer of receiving Christ as your Savior. Again, we want to pray for you this morning and to the church. If you're here and you're like, this teaching was for me, I'm battling some things. I'm not far from God, but I'm battling and I want I want prayer to, to help me apply the teaching to my life. The altar is also open for you this morning as we sing this song. Join us here. We'd like to pray with you. God bless you. God keep you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.